my voice is going through a $400 microphone into my mixer and then being uh, sweetened up by the mixer before you guys even hear it. So, And who said money can't buy you happiness, right, Chuck? That's right. <laughs> and welcome to episode 27 of the Ruby Rogues podcast. Uh, this week on our panel, we have a special guest rogue, Mike Clark. Hey, thanks for having me. You want to introduce yourself, Mike? Sure. I'm Mike Clark. I um, run the Pragmatic Studio. We do uh, Ruby and Rails training, and I'm also a Ruby Rails developer, and I've done some iOS stuff as well. So that's what I'm up to these days. All right. Good deal. Also on our panel, we have Avdi Grimm. Hello, hello. All right. We also have James Edward Gray. Hey, everybody. It's James. Uh, I'm sitting over here stroking my fluffy white cat thinking about how to take over the world. (laughs) (laughs) We also have Josh Susser. Hey, good morning, everyone. And I'm Charles Maxwood. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. This week, we're going to be talking about teaching Ruby. And that's why we have the expert Mike Clark on here. So, um... Mike, why don't you why don't you uh, go ahead and get us started with just some of your thoughts on on teaching? You know, maybe some of the challenges that we face and things like that. Oh, I knew you were going to do that, Chuck. Go ahead and get us started, Mike. No problem at all. Uh, okay, okay, so no let, let's be a little nicer to our guest. <laughs> all right, Josh, why don't you get us started? <laughs> the, okay, I'll get us started then. Uh, so the uh, this was uh, I think I think this was my idea this topic and the. Uh, you know, Mike. Does, I've actually uh, my first uh, my first Rails training was from Mike Clark uh, way back when, and uh, yeah. So I, I think uh, many of us have experienced like classroom setting teaching of Ruby, which is a big part of the topic. But I think there's also a lot of teaching of Ruby that goes on uh, in our day to day stuff, especially if you're pair programming with somebody or uh, you know mentoring new people, working on open source projects. So I, I think uh, you know when I envision the topic it was a little bit bigger than just uh classroom settings uh, but i think that there's a lot that we can learn from classroom settings that could be helpful to how we teach ruby to people uh, in our day-to-day interactions or how we even learn it ourselves i i think you brought up a really key point that i'd like to sort of start with in that uh, everybody learns in a different way and some of those ways can overlap you know it could be uh, classroom and pair programming but, you know, our experience has been, you know, we do we do classroom training primarily because we're not on site with people in their project. But having someone to mentor them or pair program with back on the project in the context of their actual domain is really, really key. Uh, because what you want to do after you get sort of like formal training is go actually build something. That's how you, you know, learn how to apply those things. So, you know, a lot of people think there's, you know, what one thing can I do to learn Ruby? And it's actually multiple things. It's sort of like a progression or a stage um, to go through. So we very much advocate, you know, learn it the way that works best for you, but also try uh, different ways, put yourself in different situations um, to do that learning, because that's going to, that's going to be the thing that really helps you grow as a Ruby programmer. So I think it's great to talk about all those different ways, not just classroom. So do you have a favorite project that you kind of turn people loose on after you teach them? Us? You mean during yeah. our training? Uh-huh. Uh huh. No, we don't. We actually turn them loose back on their project. I mean, most of our, 
Um, most of our students are coming from an existing project um, in some company doing Ruby, uh, primarily Rails, but some companies are still doing pure Ruby. Um, and what they're looking to do is get skilled up enough from us that then they can go back and be productive on their project. So I, we generally tell people when they leave, the best thing you can do when you leave here is to go build something. Now that might be something, you know, you've got to do for your company, obviously, but if you don't have one of those, it could be something you've always wanted to build. You know, it might be a rails app or it might be a Ruby game, or you might play with some gaming library, but basically whatever excites you and is going to get you motivated is probably the best thing to start with. So we don't sort of like assign, go work on this project when you're done. We give people pointers. But you want people to be engaged in whatever they're doing, and they're going to be engaged in what they're excited about. That makes a lot of sense. And and that's something that I, I saw with my online course, because I taught an online course that just ended last week, and uh, I kind of assigned them stuff. And I, I think it would have gone a little bit better if I had let them work on something that they were building themselves. And, and I do get questions from one guy that's still, you know, working on something of his own. But, yeah, I, I really like that idea and that approach. So it's kind of interesting that Ruby conferences seem to be uh, picking up on this training vibe, uh, you know, and, and really starting to put training days in before... Uh, the conferences and sometimes are run by, uh, you know, professional companies like, uh, you know, Pragmatic Studio and, and stuff. But uh, a lot of times it's just, you know, uh, people volunteer uh, to teach a class on something for half a day or whatever. And uh, I've done several of those myself. Um, I was just thinking, Mike, what are your thoughts about those kind of informal trainings around the conferences? I think it's a great idea. I mean, we we did some stuff uh, years ago before RailsConf. We did something called the Rails Guidebook. And basically the intent was uh, think of it sort of like a, uh, you know, a, a tour book or a tour guide where, you know, you want to like go to some foreign land and visit some foreign land and, and see what's going on. But you don't want somebody to just to like, you know, you show up at the airport and you're like, okay, what do I do now? You know, how do I get the most out of this trip? And so the intent was, you know, in this day before the conference, We'll show you all the sort of major attractions, introduce you to the language um, that you're going to hear sort of spoken around uh, the conference and just get people basically comfortable feeling like, oh, OK, I know where I want to go explore. I feel like I know enough about the language that I can communicate with people and, you know, not be embarrassed to do so. So I think it's a great way to basically bootstrap people into conferences and more than that, help them get more value out of it overall. Um because to the extent that they're um, that they feel part of that, uh, because they're sort of knowledgeable, it just makes the entire community a lot better, and they're they're more productive during the during the conference too. So, I think it's a I think it's a great thing. I think it can be tricky to pull off. I mean, I, I know um, people have approached us about doing some of those around around different conferences, and it it, it can be tricky because. Uh, if it's a long conference already, it means people are away from home for one more day, which can sometimes be a stretch for people. Um, and they've already sort of committed a certain number of dollars to the conference. Um, so, you know, we did ours basically as a charity where um, there was a there was a small payment that you made and then it went towards a number of charities. Um, so I think you got to be a little bit careful about how much you charge for something like that. Although it's valuable, people are already sort of like the main thing is the conference. Um, but, but it can be done and it can be done really well and, and effectively. Yeah. What I've noticed about, uh, doing them and stuff is, uh, you know, it, it, it is a pretty 
wide range, and I personally enjoy that. Uh, like, you know, you get you get some people who are just kind of, you know, showing little ideas or things they've done in their own projects and stuff like that. And it can be good and, and interesting and uh, stuff depending on what you're after. And then you get other people uh, who's kind of surprising, you know, that, that uh, you don't, they're not typically in a training scenario and they turn out to do uh, real well. And so uh, the content can be, you know, uh, real varied and, and stuff. But I, I can like that, uh, getting into some of the stuff I don't normally see. So I'm kind of curious, because um, we've been talking about kind of the formal training aspect of teaching Ruby or teaching Rails. Um, how did you guys learn? Did you did you guys have mentors? Did you did you pick things up uh, just on your own, or you know, off of blogs, or, or you know, what what ways did you have for learning Ruby or Rails? Uh, well, uh, I had been doing small talk for many years, and I had. Uh, I had a little bit of background in functional programming, although never really used it much in anger. Uh, the so, but picking up Ruby was was pretty straightforward for me in terms of all the concepts because it's it's a really good implementation of Smalltalk in a lot of ways. Uh, so, but so I, I went out and I got the Pickaxe book and started reading that, and I uh, I just started you know I downloaded Rails and started playing around with that and building building little apps kind of stuff. And then uh, I, I was working at Earthlink at the time. And right when uh, when Mike and Dave started doing their pragmatic studio trainings for Rails and uh, brought them in and set up a two-day training course, and I participated in it. And that, uh, the, you know, I guess the rest is history. <laughs> James? I did it uh... – uh, sort of like Josh, uh, I came mostly from the Perl world and I uh, grabbed a few key books and, and taught myself a lot of it. Also back then, I, I came in, in the, uh, at the end of the era where the RubyTalk mailing list was an absolutely phenomenal resource. So uh, I spent a lot of time on that mailing list and interacted with a lot of uh, first-generation Ruby folks. And uh, so they were very kind and answered my questions and, and really got me over the hump and that was how I picked it up. Hmm. I, um, I started reading the pickaxe, I guess it was probably just when it came out, I was sort of tracking what Dave and Andy were doing and I knew Dave and Andy before that. And I started reading it and I'm, I'm sort I guess I was sort of typical in the sense that I read it and I really liked the language and I said, you know, what am I going to do with this? Um, but I, I sort of kept playing around with it. Um, not not to the degree that Dave did, and I'm talking about Dave Thomas, but I sort of just fiddled around with it, and I knew Dave. And, and I have to say, I mean, I, I really owe uh, Dave all the credit for, for me getting into Ruby and Rails because I knew him at the time, and, and I was able to ask him questions about Ruby. And, I mean, he's just been an incredible mentor for me, you know, since then. Um, and then in – I just pulled this up this morning. Uh, on March 18th of 2005, I guess is when I sort of – committed myself to Ruby in the sense that I I knew enough about testing frameworks from other languages that I started basically writing what I called learning tests, which were um, tests written in test unit that weren't to test that Ruby was actually doing the right thing because I knew that was the case. But it was a way for me to have a repeatable suite of tests that I could poke and prod on Ruby and see what it actually returned to me. 
So the story was, I, you know, I read the pickaxe and the pickaxe basically said, type this in and hit return and you should see this result. And I did that for enough pages that I finally said, you know what, I actually want to type that in once and I want to capture the result and then I want to be able to go back and look at what it was. And so I wrote this blog post um, called Ruby Learning Tests, which was just basically how I learned Ruby by writing little tests against things like string and array and hash and figuring out how they worked. And I just, you know, kind of snowballed from there and, and continued to get into it. Um, and then when Rails came out, I was like, oh, I, you know, I know what I can do with this now because people want web apps. And I was fortunate enough to know some people who uh, saw me playing around with Rails. And when we started doing teaching, uh, hired me to build a, a Rails app for them. So my first Rails project um, was literally a, a production app back in the day. So, Abdi, how did you pick up Ruby? Because I, I know you've been in the community longer than I have even. Um, so, let's see. I, um, I mean, I read the pickaxe. I was, I was a, um, I've been a, a general language geek for a long, long time, and I, um, I was uh, doing a lot of Perl um, for like data mining and stuff like that, and I was interested in other scripting languages, and and uh, you know, and, and this Ruby language started getting mentioned more and more in those communities. Uh, so I picked up a copy of the pickaxe and tore through it. So it's interesting that basically none of us seem to really pick it up via training, and yet now a lot of us have been involved in doing trainings for other people. <laughs> yeah, I kind of came from a different angle because uh, before doing Ruby, I was actually a systems administrator. I didn't come in from another language. And uh, really what, what it did it for me was I was working with Rails developers uh, while running a tech support department. And... Um, Anyway, we needed a tool, and I'd done programming as part of my degree. I have a computer engineering degree, and um, so I, I could I could code. I just really didn't, and uh, so I got into it and really started to enjoy it. And so my first language, my first framework, were Ruby and Rails. So um, you know, just just kind of an interesting uh, thing there. And most of what I picked up was really from working with other people. It was more mentorship. Um, I never have read the Pickaxe book. Um, I, I have every intention of doing so when I have it on my shelf, but, you know, ultimately it wasn't from the books. It was from the other guys that I was working with and the things that I learned from them. So let's talk, let's go back to the training scenario. When we, uh, end up in a room full of, uh, you know, people interested in learning more about Ruby, uh, where do we go from there? Mike, I know you had some interesting things to say about this before the show, so... You mean where do you go from there after the training, or no, no, no? Uh, how, how do you how do you start a training for Ruby folks? What's a good place to start? Yeah, well, um, so you said you end up in a room, and I'll I'll start there because um, we try to not make it so that you end up in a room, um, and we do that by before you come to a class, actually giving you something to do, getting you into Ruby, and that includes. Um, installing Ruby. So we've got online instructions for how to do that. And it also includes like some recommended ways to get started. Uh, because when you show up in the room, like you want to hit the ground running. Um, so we try to actually bootstrap you into the training so that when you're there, you're getting the most out of it. But also that in a way, it sort of lets people get motivated about the language a little bit and it lets them play around with it some, and it lets them form questions that they're going to have uh, during the class. And 
you know, we do that just by saying, you know, here's what we want you to do before class. Here's how to install Ruby. We want you to you know, do a little bit of reading online. We want you to like type in some code and see what it does. You may not, you know, understand how it works, right? So that it's not completely like foreign and fresh when they get to the class. And I don't know. I mean, that's just that's just the way that that we do that. And so from there, it's, um, you know, in the early days, it was mostly people who had really strong programming backgrounds, mostly Java, you know, a lot of Java, Java programmers. And as I said, um, when we were talking before, I think the easiest way to teach somebody something is to try to know and understand, try to understand what they already know, and then try to figure out what they don't know, and what they want some some motivation for what they want to do, and then basically do the diff, right? Like, so if you're a Java programmer, and you really understand OO, then if I show you what a class is like in Ruby, you say, oh, well, that's sort of like, you know, a class in Java, except I don't have any, like, types, right? So then we can figure out, okay, well, the difference is it's a dynamic language. Let's talk about that. But it's it's always wrong to assume that Java programmers know anything about OO. They might know Java syntax, but they don't necessarily know object-oriented programming, <laughs> right? It's, they're not – they're orthogonal concepts, really. So then you have to step back and you say, oh, okay, well, the diff is, you know – in Ruby, you know, we've got these objects and we need to understand what they are because they're really powerful and classes are objects and all that stuff. So do that, do that sort of diff. But these days, um, I think, and this is totally anecdotal, but uh, we're seeing more and more people come into Ruby and Rails in particular that have no programming background, right? They, they're just like, I, I just want to, you know, I want to learn to program. So Figuring out what they know about programming is pretty easy. Unless they've self-started, they don't know much at all, which is good in one way. They don't have a lot of baggage. They don't care about types. You know, they don't know what a type is. But it's bad in other ways in that you have to start, like, from the basics, which is, you know, before I, you know, I need to teach you about iterators. You need to know, like, what a loop is. Why would you want to loop over something, you know? What is a variable sort of thing? Um, And that gets really hard because... That's a huge curve. If you think about what's going on in Rails today and everything that goes into getting Rails installed in your first Rails app running, if you don't have that background, I mean, it's a pretty steep mountain. Um, so especially in our public classes, it's tricky because you've got to figure out, okay, you know, who in this class has a strong programming background and the diff is pretty small versus who are the people in the class where the, the diff is huge, right? Um, and so you, you just kind of got to start with what do you know? And what do you want to learn and really motivate them towards that? Um, because, you know, I, I hate taking classes where it's like, here's the syntax. What I want to know is, why would I ever want to do that? You know, and so you figure out, well, what do you want to be able to do? You know, oh, I want to be able to have a method that does this. Okay, well, then let's talk about methods, you know, and motivate it that way. So, so Mike, what are the strengths of Ruby that you that you use to motivate people to learn it? Well, so the strength there in terms of motivation is there's very little friction, right? If somebody says, hey, I want to be able to print out my name, it's like, okay, you know, put us your name. Let's start there sort of thing. Now, we don't do that in Rails. I mean, that's a – I would do that in a Ruby course. Um, we can't start everyone in a Rails course at that level, which is why we try to prepare them beforehand to get into the course necessarily. But um, – the fact that it stays out of your way means that people can get to where they want to go a lot sooner. And you don't have to explain, you know, a lot of this stuff. If you were, you know, the, the classic sort of joke is if you were having to, you know, show somebody how to print their name to the console in Java, you'd have to tell them about public and what static means and void and string and all this stuff, which they don't care about. Right. It's like 
okay, whatever. I just want to print my name. So I think the biggest strength of Ruby is that it's like principal least surprise. You want to print your name, type print, type put S your name or type print your name if you want. Right. And it just works. Um, and that's huge. I mean, that that is, I can't overstate how big that is um, for people. So, uh, Mike, you touched on a bunch of things there I found interesting. One was the people coming to our language now that don't have any experience and want to learn to program. Uh, I've seen some of that, too. And the interesting thing I find is I think uh, Ruby is a little bit hostile to that crowd, in, uh, not in the language and stuff like that, more our community. And I think yeah. that's because, uh, you know, we kind of grew up as a community of language geeks and stuff that kind of found it early and... Uh, I, I'm not sure we've done the best job in the world of preparing the beginner materials. Do you agree with that? I don't know. Um, that's a really good, that's a good observation. I don't know that that's true. And and the reason I say that is because um, there's actually quite a bit of good stuff for beginners out there. Um, there's, you know, I, I've heard from a number of beginning programmer sorts who would tell me that, um, the wise poignant guide was a way for them to start. And for me, uh, wise poignant guide was confusing. It just wasn't the way I sort of wanted to learn. It was sort of this, you know, to me, it was sort of this, like, I know this is going to be like her her heretical to say, but it was sort of this like weird way to explain what's going on. I wanted sort of a more straightforward, but I had this, this programming background. So there was stuff like wise guide, you know, there were things like shoes. There were, um, you know, there's the learn to program book. There's so there's quite a bit of uh, material for beginners. But I agree with you in the sense that these days the ecosystem is is pretty big. And um, I was thinking like Ruby was a lot easier back in 2005. You know, it was just like it was Ruby. There were some gems out there, um, and you could get started pretty easily. And you didn't. F- I, I guess the the thing would be you didn't feel like you were an outsider because there weren't very many insiders, you know, there wasn't a really big sort of community. And I think if I were a Ruby programmer today or trying to learn Ruby and I went to a a conference, um, it's not that people would make me feel an outsider, but I would feel like, wow, I got it. You know, like I have to figure out how to work my way into this community if I'm going to get the most out of this. Um, But I don't feel like Ruby or Rails has done anything overtly to like, discourage people from doing that. I don't think like we've made it hard for people to install Ruby. I think we've made it easier for people to do things in Ruby and Rails, given that they already know what's going on. And But in some ways, that makes it harder for beginners. Yeah. Well, I have to say that, that being able to, or the materials that are around now for people to be able to learn Ruby are so much better. I actually first heard of Ruby in, I don't know, 2002 and tried to pick it up. But there wasn't much for me to look at and read, and I gave up pretty quickly. So now it's a completely different world, and people coming into Ruby have all the things you mentioned. There's Try Ruby, Kids Ruby, uh, you know, tons of blogs out there, and some really good training courses. So different kind of world. Yeah, it would be interesting to know, like, what would it be like coming in today? And that's, I mean, that's hard to do to sort of put yourself in their shoes because. We've, been, I mean, all of us on this call have been steeped in this for so long um, that you really have to step back when you're trying to teach somebody Ruby and say, okay, well, you know, sort of forget all that a little bit and just boil it down to, you know, let's talk about what you want to do. 
what you understand, what you don't, and 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 go from there. But 